You're listening to the Broken Glass Podcast, a podcast with a mission to highlight women in the music industry through their stories, from their successes to their trials and tribulations. We'll share tools and resources available to you to make your music dream job come to life or to start that business you've always wanted to own. But most of all, you'll be a part of the Broken Glass community where we support and encourage each other and open the doors to working in music. I'm your host, Christy Jacobson, entrepreneur, music lover, wonderluster, and dreamer. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello. I am so excited to be here today to launch episode one of the Broken Glass podcast. I've been dreaming of this for the last six months, and it's finally a reality. But before we get into the interview with Caitlin Wolf, I just want to let you know a little bit about the podcast, the blog, and the other project I've been working on, the Broken Glass Collective. If you're a follower of the Broken Glass blog, you'll know that this whole project started out as a reaction to the USC Annenberg Inclusion Initiative study, Inclusion in the Recording Studio, which pointed out not only the racial and ethnic discrepancies, but the gender inequalities in the music industry. That release of the study was almost immediately followed by the 2018 Grammy Awards, in which only one female won an award on the televised broadcast, and the subsequent reaction by the Recording Academy president was that women need to step up. I was shocked. There are so many incredible women working in the industry in every aspect, from performing to managing, producing, and working in the business. I had just recently started listening to entrepreneurship podcasts and reading books like You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero, and I was itching to do something with my music industry education and my business experience. I taped paper to my closet doors, broke out a Sharpie, and started drafting a business plan that led to the Broken Glass blog and it only expanded from there. In addition to the podcast, I'm also launching the Broken Glass Collective, the third piece to the Broken Glass Media Trio. So what is the Broken Glass Collective? It's a secret Facebook community of female songwriters, artists, entrepreneurs, executives, and everything in between who believe in supporting and lifting each other up. It's a place to connect, collaborate, share projects, ideas, and opportunities, and to support one another through this crazy journey. And it's not just that. The collective will soon connect women through networking events, mixers, and learning opportunities starting out in the greater Los Angeles area. If you're a woman in the music industry looking for a community of women, join the Broken Glass Collective today. And now, on to the podcast. All right, welcome to the Broken Glass Podcast. You are my first guest, Caitlin. Awesome. I feel super loved. Thanks for having me. (laughs) You're welcome. Uh, So... Just a little bit of background, Caitlin and I actually met in the You're Not Getting Any Younger Facebook group. Um, you had posted about the uh, songwriting competition for Taste of Country um, and asked everybody, you know, to just take a look at it and vote. And I went and listened to your music. Absolutely loved it. Um, I'm a little bit of a country girl myself, so <laughs> um, it was kind of perfect. And I just reached out to you right away and, and said, let's do this. Um, so just, uh, I guess, just give me a little bit of uh, background kind of about yourself, what you're doing, the competition itself. Yeah. So, um, the competition's actually over now, but I was competing for the national, um, winner, I guess, for the taste of country hometown riser contest. I had previously won the local stage and I was one of the 15 finalists. So when I reached out to people in that group, um, I was just wanting them to know that the contest existed in the first place, even if they didn't vote for me. It was just kind of cool to spread the word that it was happening. And it was the first year they did the contest um, for Hometown Risers. Taste of Country always has a risers announcement every year, and they pick people. But 
it was cool that they kind of gave an opportunity for people in different demographics other than Nashville to compete and be a part of that. So, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so just give me a little bit of, uh, like, kind of your backstory, how you got into music, um, you know, what, what you've done to get to where you are now, because you just released, you self-released your album recently, correct? Absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely been a process. Um, I guess I've always kind of sang growing up, so whether that be in choir or show choir, jazz choir was musicals, I was in a few acapella groups, things like that. Um, I started writing songs and poetry as a songwriter, I guess, in high school, more seriously. I've always, I have notebooks dating back to, I think, 2008. So that was before high school, but not by much for me. And uh, I just turned 24, so to give you a timeline here. Um, I, I went to college to Belmont for the first year, uh, which is a, pretty much a music school in Nashville. And I was going for music business and songwriting. So I was only there a year, but I learned a lot and it kind of kickstarted kind of the more business side passion. And it kind of inspired me to be like, wow, I can really do this. Look at all these other people who were doing it. Uh, so when I moved back to Iowa, um, I started an organization called CMAEDU at the University of Iowa. Uh, it's an organization that the Country Music Association kind of started at a bunch of different colleges. And I was in it when I was at Belmont. So when I transferred, they asked me to start the branch there. And I did. And I learned a lot. And it was mildly terrifying, but it taught me a lot about just what it actually means to be in the music business. I think a lot of people think of it as just kind of glamorous and easy. Yeah, you see on TV pretty much. <laughs> right, exactly. So it taught me a lot about kind of what it really means. There's a lot of grit before you get to the glory, I guess. And then it wasn't until after I graduated from undergrad, uh, which was December of 2015, that I started pursuing like my own music, like professionally, I guess you would say I get paid to play and whatever. Um, and I joined my first band and it's just kind of been rolling since then, which is exciting. I've had a lot of really good opportunities lately. This summer, I got to open at a few fairs. Um, so I got to open for Chase Bryant in June and I got to open for Dustin Lynch in July. Oh, so really cool. yeah, it was really cool. It's, it's weird. Cause I'm, I'm kind of a one woman show. I, I do all my marketing and my managing and booking and promotion um, all by myself. I mean, I have some friends who have helped me like build my website and make it look a lot more professional than the one that I made for myself. But as a whole, I mean, I'm, I don't have anyone on my team, so it's a challenge, but it's a very educational experience and I like to learn. So it's fun to get to know all the aspects of the business. Uh, what, uh, what, what really interesting, interesting in working on music industry? Um, I guess I've kind of always felt like the music world chose me. Um, I grew up in a really athletic family. I was kind of the black sheep. I always was the embarrassing one. I wanted to like dance through the grocery store and <laughs> find my way on stage whenever I could. Uh, so when I got older in high school, I really dug into songwriting. I think I just found it as a good release. It's very therapeutic. And then the more industry side I got probably from working with CMA stuff. Yeah, that, that's really cool. I was kind of the same way. I just, you know, my brother and sister played sports and then I was 
you know, an orchestra and band and everything. Yeah, so you get to be the weird one too. Yes. The yeah, weird ones are the fun ones, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, is there any um, particular artists that you kind of admired or that inspired you to get into songwriting and performing? Yeah, growing up, I was obsessed with Gretchen Wilson and Cher. <laughs> Very different. <laughs> the first two concerts I went to as well. Um, but they're just, they're women that kind of, I don't know, I don't want to swear, but they kind of give no crap about anyone else and they're just going to do what they want to do. And they're big belty performers. And I've always just really admired them both for that matter. I guess now though, in more of a songwriting regard, um, I really like Tucker Bethard. I really like his style and his writing. And I'm a big fan of Brantley Gilbert and Brandy Clark. I haven't heard of Tucker yet. I'll have to go take a look at him. No. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I actually just got to see him live on Friday night, and he's amazing. I love him as a songwriter. His dad's a songwriter, um, a big songwriter in Nashville, and his brother actually played football at University of Iowa. So, like, I kind of know about his whole family. A little bit of a local connection there. Yeah. I mean, he lives in Nashville, but um, so I knew his dad's is Casey Bethard and he's a pretty big time songwriter. So he kind of grew up along that, but he's super talented and has definitely paved his own way. You, you need to look him up. I definitely will. Yeah. After, after this, I'll go take a listen. Um, it's interesting you mentioned, mentioned uh, Gretchen Wilson because, um, and I kind of wrote about that in the blog post um, when I was listening to your music. I was like, you know, like her lyrics sound a little bit like, like Gretchen, like just that, you know, like you said, the kind of, um, you know, I guess, a kind of no crap attitude, just really, you know, yeah. saying it how it is, kind of. I seriously loved that you said that. I've never had anyone compare me to her. I get comparisons a lot. Mm-hmm. People always say, and they're never like the same person. I get Sarah Evans a lot. I get Jennifer Nettles from Sugarland quite a bit. Um, Martina McBride occasionally. But I've never had Gretchen Wilson. But I felt really cool because if I'm getting compared to her, I feel like that's all I need in life because she's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I remember I was just listening in the car. I was driving, um, taking a, a law class and was driving to class and put it on. And, and I was like, oh, like, you know, I got the little bit of Martina McBride. Um, and then I was like, you know, like her lyrics, they really sound like Gretchen Wilson. <laughs> They're kind of fiery like her. Yeah. Yeah. I see it. yeah that, that's probably what it was. Is it was just very, you know, yeah, just nowadays, this is how it is. And yeah, for sure. I guess nowadays people say that they, I remind them of Miranda Lambert's like first album. Okay, I can see that too. Yeah, Better and Led, like that kind of feistiness. But yeah, yeah. So tell me um, about the album, Little Bad. Um, you know, kind of going into like we said about the lyrics. What was you know your inspiration behind your songs? Um, and then I guess a little bit about the process. You know, to to self release the album. What kind of process did you have to go through for that? Oh, it was a process. Um, <laughs> the writing part was easy. I mean, for a couple years, I had challenged myself to write a song a day. So I've got thousands of songs. I mean, they're not all good, but getting to only choose 12 for an album, which is what I thought would be a good number for the first time. I mean, I've never released singles or anything. So I just kind of wanted to do it to say that I did it. A lot of people didn't think I could. So I was like, oh, okay, watch me then. And um I guess the the concept behind Little Bad is that I wanted it to sound country, even though I mean, for anyone who's listened, I'm, I'm I get compared to kind of rock tones. I'm not pop country by any means. Um, so, 
country is really raw and it's real and there's not really any secrets. It's not really about running from the truth. It's really about exposing it. And I think that's, I mean, arguably the coolest part about country music. So that's kind of what I wanted to do with this album. I decided I was going to expose all the little bad things in my life, whether it's the trouble I've gotten into or the little bit of bad that I regret of my life. And I think we all have a little bad in us, whether we indulge it or not is, you know, up to the person. But a lot of the songs in this album were about kind of men that suck and uh, how I've accidentally found myself in situations with guys that are probably not the nicest. So for example, one of the songs on there is about this guy that I was dating and then I found out he was engaged. Uh, and it wasn't even like a secret. He like casually mentioned it when we were on a date. <laughs> and, yeah. And then one of the songs on here is about a guy that I wasn't necessarily dating, but you know, I had a thing with or whatever. And then uh, he got busted making meth in a motel. So, <laughs> and then he got the nerve to text me and ask if we were still on for our date that night. And I asked, I'm like, are you not in jail? And he's like, well, I'm not on bail. I don't have to go in for my court hearing until like two weeks. I was like, oh my gosh, how does this keep happening to me? Yeah. But, yeah, I could definitely see the, the inspiration behind your song again. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I guess I just have a lot of situations like that. And they're not all my own stories. I mean, everyone has friends or family that have had just difficult relationship things or life things. I mean, not everything is about men particularly. The song on there, Temptation, I kind of wrote with the mindset of Brad Paisley's song, Alcohol. Okay. So it's more like personifying temptation. And I mean, right. some, of it's, some of it's bad. Like some things that tempt you are not good for you, but some things are also good. I mean, it gives you kind of the energy and the confidence to go do things that maybe you wouldn't like go sing karaoke at a bar or go dance with that stranger or whatever. So it doesn't necessarily have to be bad, you know? Right. Yeah. It just gives you the courage to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what was that, that process like then, you know, you said you, you'd always been writing, but you know, to kind of take me through the steps of, of self-releasing. Cause I think a lot of people, you know, they think, Oh, you know, you get a record label and you know, they give you money and they do everything. But when you're on your own, it's, it's a lot more difficult. You know, you, you have to plan every step of the release and, yeah. The album artwork and, and everything. So what was that like for you? Um, you obviously had a little bit of the business background, but mm -hmm. you'd probably never done this before, right? Oh, no. This is all new to me. Um, it was really fun, but it was very time-consuming and very tiring. Um, I pretty much, like I said, did most of my the stuff myself. Um, so I like designed all my album artwork. I did all of that aspect. I wrote all the songs. Um one of my, my bass player, actually, in my band, he he wrote some of the cool riffs and things that you find. So he's got co-write credit on, uh, I think, five of the songs on there, um, which is great because I love to sing. I love to write. I like to make up harmonies. I'm kind of crap at guitar. So I think part of being a professional is knowing when you slack at things and that you should hire or find someone better to help you. <laughs> and uh, he definitely helped me with that. And I had some really cool musicians step in and help me with things like that in terms of actually re the recording process. But I mean, it takes a lot of work. I think a lot of people are under the impression that you walk into a recording studio and you sing through it and that's it. But it, 
it's a really time consuming process. I took a couple months with us going like every week into the studio because you have to record every track separately for the most part. So like we went in first and did what, what they call a scratch track. So basically I sat down with the guitar or I had my guitar player, some of them play through some, but we just sang and played the guitar just so we had an idea of what it was going to sound like. And then the drummer goes in and does all the drum tracks. And then, you know, everyone goes in and does their own parts and you don't finish the song until you do vocals, which are pretty much last. So it's, it's a long process. And then I did a lot of online research Luckily, there's a lot of cool online resources that kind of help you learn. And I did a lot of, read a lot of reviews. And I've had friends that have put out albums or work in the music industry. So I kind of bounced ideas off of them, asked them like what their opinions were. I've read a lot of books. One of my favorite books that helped me probably was that How to Make It in the New Music Business. It's by Ari Herstand, I think is how you pronounce it. But he's the founder of CD Baby, which is a distributor. And he, they have like the DIY musicians blog and stuff. So I did a lot of reading. I'll have to look into that book. Let me add it to my list. Oh, it's really helpful. Yeah, I definitely recommend. And so then um, as far as, you know, I guess, uh, you know, raising funds to to the studio on that, did you do um, like any crowdfunding or was this all self, um, self funded so that you could, you know, then recoup the money on your own? Yeah, so um, I did do Kickstarter for a portion of it, but I also self-funded some of it. Um, I knew that, I guess, I wanted to have some of my own eggs in the basket, I guess. I I didn't want it to be dependent on everyone else, but I did do a Kickstarter, and I raised a few thousand dollars. I mean, I got my goal. I got what I was intending to get, um, which basically covered the fees for the actual studio, the studio time, which was cool. I basically used it as a way for people to pre-order the album. So I liked it in that sense because I knew how much to order when it came to like actual physical CDs. So I didn't have a ton just like sitting around. Um, and obviously it gave me some cash to, to pay for the studio fees. Um, but then I self-funded a lot of the stuff when it came to like the promotion of it and the photo shoots and the website I built for it and things like that. So I guess a little bit of both, but I definitely have a lot of really amazing supportive people that helped me fund in order to create this project. Oh, that's awesome. Have a, have a good support system there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so you, as far as promoting goes, what, you know, I you're, you're on Spotify, but what kind of, um, you know, did you do like ads or just social media? How did you go about promoting Yeah, the the area that I live in, um, I guess most people call it the tri-state area. So I'm right on the corner of Iowa, Wisconsin, and Illinois. Um, The population, I mean, there's a lot of farms out here and a lot of like old school kind of stuff. So I had two big album release parties. I had one in Iowa and one in Wisconsin. And that was really fun because we got to invite, I mean, newspapers and different people who were on like fair boards and family and friends, obviously, and communities to come out to kind of enjoy that with us, which was a nice way to connect with people who aren't necessarily social media savvy, Um, like a lot of like farmers and guys that just work outside and kind of things that don't pay a lot of attention to what's going on in the interwebs. So that was cool. And then um, luckily, the town that I 
partially grew up in. Uh, my parents were divorced, so I spent a lot of time growing up in a really small town called Quasquitan, Iowa. And that community is by far the most supportive, cool community I've ever got to be a part of. Like they put me in the newspaper like crazy, um, just promoting that I was even doing a CD and that they should come to my shows and my album release party. So I think that was just really fun to watch them all kind of gather around and support me in that sense. But I mean, in terms of the interwebs, I did a lot, I would say, 70% of my marketing was all done online. Um, Whether there's a couple people that I got um, interviews with, which was really cool. Uh, There's a blog website called Nashville Noise, and they did an interview for me when I was about to release the album, and that was really cool and nice of them. And uh, social media. Facebook's my big kick. I know a lot of musicians use YouTube, but I... I have a really good active following on Facebook and that's cool for me to see and to utilize. I mean, I post pretty much daily on Facebook and there's always people interacting and talking and the community there is really cool. So I did a lot of that in regards to um, releasing this album and just promoting for other gigs and things I have going on too. Yeah. I guess just go where your, your market is and Mm -hmm. you know, just focus on, on that one rather than spreading yourself out amongst, you know, all the different. Right. I feel like I, I mean, I dabble in other stuff. Like I have an Instagram. It's, it's, I updated occasionally. It's fine. Um, I have a Twitter, I have things like that, but really where I put my main focus is Facebook because that's where I just see the most results. And that's where a lot of my fans and my communities kind of congregate. So I want to be efficient for them. Yeah, that's really awesome. That sounds like you did, you know, had a lot of work to do for that. But, uh, you know, I, you know, you search you online and, you know, you can find, I think I did come across that Nashville noise article. And so that was pretty cool to see. Um, would you self-release again? Um, you know, if you were to do another album or would you maybe look a little bit more for label and distribution support? Um, I don't know. I think, I learned enough the first time that I would feel a lot more confident going into it again. But at the same time, I don't know if I would, I don't think I would choose to do it with a label necessarily, but it would be really cool to just have maybe a little bit more of a team for promotion to, to reach a little more people um, in different locations, especially like kind of expand my demographic. I think that certain, I mean, they say the music industry is all about who you know and I definitely yes. agree yeah. that's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think, obviously, if I expand my team, that's even more people that I have access and I will know. And it would definitely help me market and find a bigger audience. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I hope you come out with some more stuff. Um, I loved what you had on Little Bad. So <laughs> I look forward to hearing more. Um, so kind of just shifting a little bit, um, you know, part of why I'm, I'm doing this podcast and this blog is um, to highlight, you know, women in the industry and to provide tools and resources mm-hmm. um, because I, I'm on the more the business end. I, I played instruments, but, you know, never really got into to performing in that. Um, but, you know, even on the business end, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to get in the industry and, and get jobs in that. Mm-hmm. Um when you were starting out and even now, did you come across any resistance um, 
you know, from others in, in the industry, from, you know, the men, anything like that? Did you, did you feel that, you know, they were getting pushed back? Yeah, yeah, for sure. But in different ways. I mean, I'm lucky because in my, the little bubble where I actually live, there's a lot of female musicians. So we kind of all get together and have all became friends with each other. And it's a really good support system to have. We kind of know the ropes and some people in this area that are female musicians have been playing for 20, 30, 40 years. So they have a lot of experience that they can share with like us young bucks. But uh, I mean, I genre wise, I tend to get in the biggest issues with a lot of places because when I say I'm country, they assume I'm more pop country and I'm really not like a Taylor Swift or, yeah, and I, and I'm really not in that field, um, I guess, or that, that niche, but I don't dislike it. I just, that's not who I am as a person. So I feel like I have to kind of clarify that I'm, I'm kind of like more on the rock side or like Southern rock side. Um, and I've had some people not like that, but in terms of being a girl, there is a few venues that have straight up told me to my face that they will not book female singers. Wow. <laughs> Which I'm like, Oh, yeah. uh, and I asked some of them why I'm like, Oh, well, you know, I don't know why you think that or why you won't do that. And they said that they've never had good outcomes and turnouts for female musicians or female fronted bands, I guess was their specific way they worded it. And, uh, I guess I, I disagree with that. I've played some really big shows where there's great outcomes and I'm obviously a girl, so I don't know why they have that negative yeah, ideology. An old, uh, <laughs> old mentality, I guess, old school mentality. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, I think it's really important to, to find the good people in the community. I mean, I not only just in my little bubble of the world – I've met a lot of really great people who are in the business side of the industry and a lot of obviously female musicians that are rocking the scene themselves. And then of course, just outside my bubble, I have some great friends in Nashville that really support women in music. Um, There's a really cool Facebook group called music business besties or music biz, music biz besties or whatever. Uh, that's been really helpful. It's just all women in the industry and that's a really cool page to follow and interact with. So I enjoy that. that. Yeah. I'll send you the link later. Awesome. Yeah. And I'll add it to the the show notes. So uh, anybody wants to take a look at it. Um, Yeah. It's, it's just interesting to see, you know, to hear stories like that, like, you know, some people, you know, some women have, you know, no problem getting gigs and then, you know, you hear the stories where, you get those, you know, people who maybe had one bad experience, mm-hmm. you know, with a, a female singer, songwriter, and, and then that they just swear off it. It's just, it's interesting to hear in, you know, today's day and age, but. Um, right. Well, and everyone. I'm glad to hear that you have like a really great community, you know, of women that, you know, help each other out. And that's really awesome to hear. For sure. It's great. Um, so what are you looking forward to in the future? You know, what, what are your plans from here? I saw that you just recorded, um, a music video. Yeah, I just, um, I finished recording that last weekend. I mean, I didn't record it, but you know what I mean? Acting for it or whatever. And hopefully I get it to be able to release it by the end of September. They're kind of on that whole editing stage now. So I'm excited to see how that turns out. And I 
I mean, just to say I did it and have it is kind of exciting. Yeah. yeah which which song was it that you? Uh, I haven't told you for. Okay, you can be the first to know if you want. Okay, well, the actual song that we did on there. So you're the first to know. You should feel really cool. Even like awesome. my parents don't know or anything. <laughs> just the people <laughs> in the video know what it is. Um, the song that we decided to do for that is on the CD, and it's called "I Knew Better." And I, I chose to do that one because a lot of people, when we play it live, request that song. It's really catchy. So I thought it'd be a fun one to do. And it's probably my second favorite song on the album. My favorite song is Man in the Moon, which is the last one. But it's really slow, and it's not really country sounding. So yeah. I figured I should probably not do my first music video as a really slow song. But no, that's awesome. I saw some of your pictures and it looked like you had a lot of fun. It was so hot. <laughs> but it was it was like a hundred degrees plus humidity and I was in jeans and cowboy boots and oh my I was gosh. Sweating and plus we had a fire for it, so it was like extra hot from the flames. <laughs> but oh, wow. I mean I think it's gonna look really cool. I'm really excited. Yeah, and a good experience too to to kind of get the feel of that and yeah, I guess if you you go forward and you you know you do more, you'll you'll have that you know in your pocket there. Yeah, absolutely, and it will just be a cool. I mean, I just think of it as a cool marketing tool and promotional tool. I mean, people love videos and stuff on Facebook, especially, and it'll be mm-hmm. a cool video just to promote with and to have and say I did and a fun memory for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so what else are you kind of looking forward to towards the future, you know, I guess moving forward? Yeah, so um, I just finished booking out for the rest of the year. So I have no more open dates that I can play, which is exciting. So there, we have like 12 or 13 more shows, um, public shows that we have before the end of 2018. And then I'm starting to book for next year. Um, I for sure got a few gigs lined up for like, town community fair things um and hopefully my goal would be is to get some more big fairs and things booked like when i opened for dustin lynch that was somewhere around five thousand people which is the biggest audience i've ever got to play for so what was that like terrifying (laughs) it it was so fun though um luckily i got to do a chase bryant show um like a couple weeks before that and that was a little bit smaller. I think there was like 2,000 people there, um, which was still a big audience for me. So, but it gave me like a little bit more, I guess, calmness feeling. Like I already did it once. Like I'm ready for this again. Right. Um, and the one, the Chase Bryant one was at an event called Benton County Country Fest. So, um, and Haley Witters was there too as an opener. And she's a songwriter that lives in Nashville as well. She wrote Happy People, that little Big Town Sings, if you know that song. That's, like, probably one of her most recognizable ones. Um, She's also crazy, amazingly talented. I look up to her so much. But she got to play that, too. So it was really cool being able to not only meet those guys, but get to – I mean, she kind of gave me some advice, and um, I was freaking out. I can't eat when I get nervous, so I think I offended the staff at the – event because they fed us and I didn't eat any of it, (laughs) but I just get too nervous. So, um, and it was really hot that day too. I mean, Iowa summers can be kind of brutal, but 
it was, it was a lot of fun. And I felt really cool because (laughs) we got done for both of those shows. We got done. And I mean, there's so many people there and not only did a lot of my friends come from all over different States, some of them flew in to watch. And um, so I felt just really loved and supported by my actual community that I know, but there was a lot of people there that were buying t-shirts and my CDs and wanted to take pictures with me and have me sign their stuff. And it gave me this whole new realization of how cool (laughs) you can feel. Because usually I don't think it's a very, I'm like, yeah, I just sing because I love it. And it's cool if someone else likes it too. But it was really cool during those big fair gigs because there's a whole new platform of people I've never reached out to before that are responding well, that are obviously liking what I'm doing. And that's a really cool feeling that your hard work's kind of paying off. So you know, it's, you have your, you know, you do it for fun and cause you love it, but then you can kind of see like what this could be, I guess, you know, what it could work oh, into. Sure. And well, and it definitely kind of like, if your flame's ever getting a little dim, it's kind of like throwing gasoline on it. Like as soon as you do a big show like that, you're like, Oh my gosh, this is why I love it. I have to do this. I have to work six times harder now. so I can make sure I get to do this again. So I'm definitely in that zone right now. I've been spending hours a day trying to reach out to, booking agents and venues and fairs and festivals and just trying to ensure that I have more of those experiences next year. So cross my fingers, hopefully. Yeah. Well, good luck. I Hopefully I can make it out to a show. Are you doing mostly in Iowa? Um, Iowa, Wisconsin, Illinois. That's kind of the, the area we've been in lately. It's hard to go far from home unless you're planning like a full tour, which right. we'll see. My band and I all have full-time jobs and, uh, and I'm a grad student right now, so I'm getting my MBA. And I won't finish that till May 2019. So if everything goes well, by the time I get that in May, maybe I'll try to plan a tour and go do a big loop or something when I'm not under the commitment of, you know, studies. Yeah, that'd be cool. Well, good luck with that school, too. I finished my grad program last year, so. Good for I, you. I it's, it's rough sometimes. <laughs> full-time job school, it, it can be pretty hard, but, um, so what, what kind of resources would you rec- recommend for other women who are starting in the industry? Yeah. Um, definitely in terms of like online stuff, I love the group, the music biz besties thing that I was telling you about. There's also a page, um, called, well, it's yep. It's Y E P but it, it's young entertainment professionals, I think is what it stands for. And it's a group out of Nashville and they do a lot of like networking events and stuff. So I'm not in Nashville super often. I try to go at least once a year, but it's a really cool community to like bounce ideas off of. And it's women and men in that group, but it's all young entertainment professionals. So you're getting a lot of people that are in the music scene in Nashville and outside of it too, that take place on that page. And both of those Facebook pages I have found extremely helpful. You can ask questions, people respond. Um, I've met a lot of individuals on there. I mean, I guess I haven't met them in person, but you know, like you get to know people in the interwebs and uh, they're really great. And then when I didn't go to Belmont, I had a lot of peers that I stayed in contact with that are still in Nashville. So I guess just if you decide you want to be in Nashville or in LA or in Chicago or whatever, 
market that you want to end up in, I think it's important to actually go there and talk to people. <laughs> I have friends that I met, not just at Belmont, but when I visit Nashville, like I said, I try to go at least once a year, if not twice. And, um, that I talk to on a regular basis and we get to like bounce ideas off each other. And I just think that's really important, especially within women in the industry. I think it's kind of our job to help each other and um, stick together and kind of progress together. So. Yeah, no, that's cool. I'll have to take a look into to both of those and uh, I'll add them to the, to the notes as well. Um, so do you have any, I know we talked about the, um, the one book that you really liked, uh, how to make it in the new music business. Uh, do you mm-hmm. have any other favorite books or, or podcasts that inspire you? Um, you know, give you motivation to keep doing what you're doing. I listen to a lot of interviews of songwriters for sure. Just like if they share them and things, but in terms of podcasts, I follow semi often. Uh, there's a podcast called making it. And I, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but it's Chris Goizetta or something like that. And they interview a lot of music business professionals. Okay. And I listen to Bobby Cast a lot. So it's Bobby Bones' podcast. And uh, he's always talking with musicians, songwriters, whatever. And I really like Bobby Bones. So I'm a big fan of that podcast. And then occasionally I listen to a podcast called Walking the Floor with Chris Chivlet, I think. I'm probably pronouncing all these names wrong. But um, <laughs> I, they're all music business related podcasts and they're all obviously, I mean, they're, they talk with artists or professionals in the field. And I think it's, I like to learn a lot from other people. I mean, you can learn from your own experiences, but it's even cooler when you can learn from other people's experiences, saves you a little time and energy and probably heartache. So yeah, yeah, side stories where they've been. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, like I said, I, we met on uh, Jenny's page and that's like a whole different kind of inspiration. I really enjoy the, you're not getting younger or whatever, uh, Facebook page and her new podcast because it's kind of inspiring in a sense of it doesn't matter what field you're in, but like kind of do what you love. And I think there's a lot of truth to that too, whether you're like, whether you love baseball or fishing or making crafts. I mean, I think it's important that people, put an emphasis on doing what they love, even if it's not necessarily conventional. Yeah, it's true. And, and I noticed too, through, um, through that group that, you know, even if we're all in different industries, you know, a lot of stuff still remains the same, you know, you know, getting the job and things you deal with, things you go through in life, you know, you know, we may right. be music, but someone else may be in, you know, technology, but you know, it's, it's nice to connect and get advice from people. Um, yeah. Absolutely. I think a lot of things in life are hard and sometimes it's just really nice to have a community that's like, Hey, it's okay. You got this and kind of ensure that you feel a little more confident when you're trying to progress the next stage of your life or your path. Yeah, definitely. Um, so kind of wrapping it up here, uh, where can my, my listeners find you online? Um, all over. So like I said, Facebook's my big marketing tool. So that's facebook.com slash Caitlin Wolf music. C-A-I-T-L-Y-N-W-O-L-F-E. And then music, obviously. Uh, my website's www.caitlinwolfmusic.com. My Instagram handle is also just Caitlin Wolf Music. You can find me on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, all that exciting stuff. So pretty much wherever you look, you'll find me. 
All right. Awesome. I'll be sure to, to share all those links with everybody. Um, thank you so much for, for being on here, Caitlin. This was awesome. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I'm, hopefully we can meet more awesome women in the industry together. And- yes, definitely. Thank you for listening to the Broken Glass Podcast. If you like the show and want to know more, visit www.brokenglassmediallc.com. Subscribe to the podcast and don't forget to leave a review. Join me each week to hear new stories, learn all about the tools and resources available to you, and get tips for building a career in music. If you're interested in becoming part of a community of supportive women in music, join our secret community on Facebook at the Broken Glass Collective.